And it's another special edition of the Free Clinic where Dr. Rajbans answered your medical questions on our FB Live session. Dr. Rajbans, how are you feeling? Good, good. All right. All right. Ready to answer so some difficult medical it questions. Is, it is the Free Clinic on uh, our Facebook Live. So if you have any medical questions at all, you can just write them down on the comments down below. Okay, right. let's start with the first one that we received from Intan. I'm in my 40s now, but still suffer from pimple breakouts, eczema, and hives. Does it have anything to do with the weather? Because once it gets hot, dry, and dusty, then my nose gets runny. I try my best not to take too much antihistamines for fear my body will develop an immunity to it. And I've, I'll, I've tried all sorts of natural soaps. I eat as clean as possible, but it still, still flares up. What else can I do, doctor? Yeah, I mean, uh, if you're looking at this uh, whole the things you're talking about is allergies, eczema, you know, uh, uh, so these are all part of the same uh, category. You know, she's probably having a lot of inflammation going on in the body. Now, things like heat, yeah, she says uh, some sort of allergies can do it. And, uh, you know, even things like uh, the weather, you say, you know, the weather. But most of the time, it's just some toxins, some sort of uh, uh, food that she's probably allergic to. So these are some of the things that she has to look at. I mean, she's good. She's eating clean. Uh, and, uh, you know, she is... Uh, Trying all the, the you know the like natural soaps and all that, but the other thing that sometimes we don't realize is things like you know stress, poor sleep, all these also can increase your inflammation and actually trigger off this type of uh, you know uh, symptoms. So uh, I would actually try uh, again looking at her whole lifestyle. Uh, so eating clean is very good. Uh, look at the environment. Anything there that could be causing allergies. If worse come to worse, she has to go and go for an allergy test. Uh, look at food intolerance some of these are some of the things that can be looked at uh, time being i would want her to you know even try a course of probiotics she's not tried before because probiotics uh, they say sometimes the toxic gut syndrome can also cause this type of symptoms so uh, these are some of the things he has to look at now uh, i would really a very bad uh, situation like hers i would really want her to go into a whole sort of cleansing diet so looks at things like detox, you know, sometimes things like intermittent fasting can help. So it's a whole lifestyle change that you look at and uh, because it's, it's just chronic inflammation going on in the body. And these are all part of the same spectrum, her eczema, her allergies, part of the same spectrum. Pimple so, breakouts as well? Yeah, it's, same. it's the same thing. You know, when you're young, maybe it's a bit of, uh, let's say, the hormonal things, but as you're getting older like this, it's all part of free radicals, inflammation, and this is a whole spectrum there, food, your stress, your sleep, you know, toxins, uh, chemicals, a lot of things that are going in and that could be even from your environment. So it's a whole thing to look at, not easy. I agree with her that too much of uh, medication like antihistamines or sometimes doctors can give you steroids, all these I would avoid if really possible unless it's really severe. And even if you do take a, just a short course for a while, right? But uh, overall, this is the thing she has to do. Uh, overall, like, I call it like an overhaul of your whole body, uh, you know. Uh, Does uh, go for something like Chinese medicine? Because technically, isn't something like this what Chinese would say is your body is heaty in a way? Is it true? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I think what they, when they mean by heaty is probably inflammation that we talk of in the Western doctors. Sometimes it is a good idea, you know, looking at alternative therapies, you know, whether you look at Ayurveda or Chinese medication, homeopathy. But sometimes they have uh, therapies that might be helped because Western medicine, we only can control symptoms. We don't have a cure. Mm. It mm. must go to a qualified person because 
you whoever you're going out there if it's alternative make sure it's someone very qualified who you know today the ministry of health has a list of people who are in complementary medicine or alternative medicine who are registered so when look at that so but try the lifestyle first and see where she whether that helps her this um so you do get immune to antihistamines if you take it too much you don't get immune but ultimately uh it's it just a uh, symptom control i mean you take it for five days you stop your underlying problem is then you're going to come back anyway so you're going to keep on taking drugs that are just going to cause more side effects it makes you know mm. antihistamines make your mouth dry make your skin dry you know and some some of them will make you drowsy so uh, i wouldn't want to take that unless really necessary for a short while just for symptom control because they don't cure you anyway now dr rachman on a related note um i know a person uh, very very well okay fine it's me uh, i just don't know because sometimes <laughs> i i don't know whether like i don't have pimple breakouts on my on, on my face or anything but i sometimes get boils that because sometimes i'm i'm tired i'm sleepy i don't sleep well whatever i'm stressed I get boils in the strangest places. I won't tell you where, but why do they happen? Are they is it the same thing as eczema and hives and pimples? No, this boils basically is infection, you know, and it's normally because of uh, skin infection like streptococcus or staphylococcus and that normally ha- happens when your immunity comes down. So sometimes what you you're saying is you know stress and you know not enough sleep and sometimes uh, wrong diets and all that it is a stress to the body so your immune system actually comes down and you're actually getting skin infections right uh, so these are some of the things you uh, have to be careful because that means suggest your immunity you, you know go ahead, uh, you don't have diabetes or anything isn't it no but that's the one thing you have to really look at if people get boils you must check for sugar really Otherwise, it means, yeah because uh, people with diabetes are more prone for things like this because again the immunity comes down so uh, a lot of time people don't know you know that's why and I, we talk about this covid it's your lifestyle that actually you know about uh, outside things we talk about you know your social distancing and all hygiene and everything very important but building up your immune system is also very important so the right diet exercise you know having the right amount of sleep reducing stress maybe certain supplements to build up your immunity So all those are important but sometimes we forget about that part of it you know so i think that is also very important so wow. you just check how and see what is the boil sorry what is that how do we know what is the boil and what is the pimple it could be a pimple that's a very large pimple does it yeah, turn into a boil most most of them are basically infection you know the pimple also is just some infection that's going on a boil is uh, Probably getting bigger. That means the infection is getting, or in the simple words, getting more, right? And uh, mm. so sometimes boils, you end up having to take antibiotics to cure it, you know, antibiotic mm. creams. Uh, but if you find your immune system gets better, it will go away. Oh, okay. So it's all got to do with your immune system in the at the end of the day. We were just talking about this because uh, Bell and I are very particular about our, our of eating well now. Try because we we hang out with you. So much, Doctor Raswan, that you always talk about uh, the blue zones and eating well because that's the real key to keeping yourself healthy. But I never knew that boils could be the sign that I might not be eating as healthy as I should be. Maybe I'm I might be diabetic. Really, uh, good to check. When is the last time you checked your sugar? Uh, I know I'm a sweet guy. I never knew that. Uh, I, I there's a lot of sugar. Uh, <laughs> check. Just make sure. Have you uh, ever checked for your sugar levels? Actually. 
No, I, I don't have a history of um, diabetes. Oh, no, my grandmother had it. Um, maybe I should go and check it just Let's in case, it. right? Just in case, yeah. And get them do the three-month sugar, the HPA1C, the sugar in the cell, which is more accurate. So just get that done. Uh, just, just to rule out, you know, and then after that, again, look back at your... You know, a lot of times, simple things like poor sleep or stress itself, people don't realize can reduce your immunity, you know? Yeah, because it doesn't then, happen all the time. It's just yeah. once in a long while, like once, then it happens once every two years, and after that, it not, doesn't happen for a few oh, years, and then it comes back, yeah. you know? They can't, it then can't be diabetes, because diabetes, they, they get it very recurrent very often. So that is probably just oh. the phase where your immune system came, came down, and, you know, you get a... So, so I wouldn't worry about that, yeah. But I still might should check my diabetes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just check the teeth. All right. We're joined today by Dr. Rajbans for our free clinic on HealthWise. Uh, and if you have any medical questions at all, you can leave them in the comment section below and Dr. Rajbans will be able to answer them directly for you right now. And we have a question from Liz Hodges. Uh, Dr. Rajbans, may I know if I take glucosamine plus three in one for my knee can help that I don't have to go for knee surgery? Yeah, I mean, can someone uh, take glucosamine yeah, just to help their knee? Yeah, I mean, when she said three in one, they talk of glucosamine, chondroitin, and MSM. And uh, it all depends on what stage your, your osteoarthritis is. Because in grade one to four, uh, grade one is very early. Grade two is there's some you know inflammation going on and some damage. Grade three, where they are, you know, you're losing most of the cartilage and your joints are... Uh, you know, uh, getting worn out. Grade four is basically all the cartilage is gone. Now, I think if you're still in uh, grade one or two, taking things like glucosamine might sort of help the pain, might sort of, uh, you know, delay uh, the progression of the disease. Uh, you know, very contrary. Some studies say they do, some don't. They say they don't. Um, so, but basically from my own patients who I've seen who start early, they sort of, you know, get symptom control. Their pain gets better. Their mobility gets better. And I think that's good because they delay. But once you go to grade three or four, uh, I, I don't think so. You, you, those, those uh, you know, supplements will help anymore. Uh, now, why do you need surgery? Very simple. One is the pain is unbearable. That means in spite of, you know, all the modalities you're using, the doctors are using, whether physiotherapy or painkillers, your pain is still not getting better. You know, even pain at rest. Number two is affecting your activities of daily living. Like some people still want to go out there and, you know, swim or, or ride a horse or play golf. And if they can't do that anymore, it causes depression, you know. So they want to get their knee operated on, right? Where somebody else who is just happy, just as long as they can just walk in the walker, they don't mind. That's enough for them. So the the involving activities of daily is varies from person to person. So some people want to be more active and this knee is really causing them an issue they might want to do surgery earlier and that one is the pain but you know doing a surgery again is for its own consequences so uh, though it's safe nowadays but still you know you want to prevent that so again picking up things early exercising getting your quadricep muscles strong making sure the muscles around the joint are strong uh, uh, trying all the supplements and all that will help now, the own studies have shown grade 1 and grade 2 respond well to stem cell therapies and a lot of research going on in that. So, once again, if you have gone to grade 3 or 4, you, you against stem cells won't help. So, it's important to see where you are. And if you have a knee pain, go and see a doctor so at least he can tell you where you are. 
know, is it really osteoarthritis and VTs? What grade are you in? And what are the some of the there are also other medications that are non-painkillers that have some benefit on the on the, you know osteoarthritis. There are different types of supplements that are coming in, made from soy, made from the avocado, and all that seem to have some benefit. So these are some of the things, you know, muscle extracts are helping. They say omega-3s may help in the, some of the inflammation. So again, go back and talk to your doctor and see what you can do to prevent or slow down the progression, you know, as long as you can. And you know, ultimately, if surgery is option, then no choice. But if you can delay it or prevent it, that'll be the best. So just taking glucosamine will not help if the problem is uh, is already in stage 3 or 4. Yeah, I, then I thought it will help much, you know. Uh, you I mean, still can try to see whether it helps your pain, but I thought it will help much at that stage. So it helps much mm. in the earlier phase. So if this only is this only something that older folks go through uh, joint pains? Because at what point? I mean, are you, should you be in your thirties or forties when you start feeling joint pains, and then you should start taking glu- uh, glucosamine? I think it all depends. Again, some people, uh, you know, because of trauma, the way they have. Uh, see, I I have a problem with my knees because when I was younger, I used to play a lot of hockey. Lot of injuries at the same time, you run marathons at those days, you know, half 10k and uh, half marathons. So, combination of that, I did have a problem with my knees. So, so I got patients in their 30s and 40s who have, you know, you know, jogging on the hard surface, you know, and people do that, you know, people don't know they are younger, they think anything is possible. So, trauma during sports can cause uh, you know, damage to the knees that start the uh, inflammation going and arthritis starts. So, we got patients in their 40s and 50s where to go for knee surgery you know mm. and you want to avoid it because uh, good that the joints now are much better they can last more than 20 years but still if you get a surgery done in your 40s you, you know at your 60s again you're in trouble because you might have to do another one so uh, so you want to delay that and all but uh, yeah i agree with you most of the people who have oa are in their 60s and above, right? most of them are older people but some because of trauma or sports injuries can get it earlier. Now, for example, for for someone like us in our late 30s, in our early 40s, and we don't have knee problems yet, if we take glucosamine, will it help in the long run? It's no point, you know, because I thought if you have any issues, you don't simply take something for no reason. Now, remember, glucosamine is normally contraindicated in diabetes. Because like the oh. words say glucose amina because it can shoot up your sugar in diabetics now what about normal people i'm not sure so if you start taking glucosamine at a young age without any symptoms we don't know whether taking it over how long you take it you know five years 10 years 20 mm. years you don't know you don't know whether over long term it will disturb your sugar so uh, i would just go for good exercise make sure your quadriceps are strong the muscles around the joints are strong and that's that's what you should focus on and don't do anything that will damage your joints prevention are there any supplements that we can take to prevent osteoarthritis from developing at later age i don't know whether there's anything to prevent but i think one of the focus uh, osteoarthritis is an inflammatory disease now you know it's inflammation so acute inflammation do occur and what you can do is take things that reduce inflammation overall one is diet that's full of you know uh, anti-inflammatory stuff, so your vegetables, fruits, your herbs, spices, uh, things like turmeric and cinnamon and all that. And they say some supplements that are that helps in inflammation, like your fish oils, you know, omega threes, your turmeric, uh, all these things that reduce inflammation. Uh, the body probiotics also can help that. Uh, 
you know, taking antioxidants to reduce free radicals. So whether that will help with prevention, uh, we don't know because prevention studies are very difficult to actually do because you don't know how long it'll take and how long you have to monitor people. So, uh, but we know that this uh, eating the right diet, taking the right supplements can reduce inflammation and that I suppose will help in the long run. So no harm, you know, but again, make sure you, you get the right sort of dosages or get some right information before you simply go and take anything into your body. And remember, supplements supplement your lifestyle. Huh? They don't replace your lifestyle. So lifestyle is still with the key. Now, do people ever get over osteoarthritis? I mean, if you continuously take glucosamine like, like this, Hodges, do you actually get better or is this something you just have to manage? I suppose, yeah, I don't know whether it can reverse. I thought it can reverse, but I suppose you can prevent it from getting worse. So if you, you know, make sure you don't get it into the later stage of the grade of the arthritis. You know, the main thing is you want to be pain-free, you want to be mobile to do all the activities, and you want to prevent the surgery. And I think that's where you have to look at all these other things to do, you know, right exercise, right nutrition, the right supplements to support that, prevent it. And I suppose reducing inflammation is good because, it's, you know, a lot of diseases today are secondary to inflammation. So... Reducing inflammation in the body, you know, it will help prevent even the other diseases that are, you know, that we have. So I think that's important. All right. Uh, welcome once again. If you just joined us on a very special Facebook Live edition of the HealthWise Free Clinic, we are with uh, our rock star doctor, Dr. Rajpans, president of the Malaysian Wellness Society. And uh, he's here to answer all your medical questions. So, um, Log on to fb.light.my right now if you're tuning in. Of course, you're already there. And you can ask questions there. Dr. Rajwans will answer it uh, for you right now. Now, there's a follow-up question to uh, Liz's uh, glucosamine and knee question by Ronnie Tam. Does reducing jogging activity in old age reduce knee joint issues? Again, that's a very, very interesting, good question, you know, because... Uh, I. You know, I, I see people, some of my patients in their 80s still jogging, you know, and they seem, seem to be okay. And then I got others who have, you know, uh, in their 50s and 60s already got knee problems and they stopped jogging. Uh, so I think there must be a genetic component to that that part of it. Uh, but again, um, uh, doing it right, you know, having the right technique of running, uh, I think someone in sports medicine will probably we do say this better, but right technique, wearing the right shoes, running on the right surface will definitely help. And if you start having pains, I, I would advise them to stop because uh, as you get older, the chances of uh, you know going into more problems are there. Uh, uh, I, I, for example, I stopped jogging a long time ago. I go more into walking now because of the issues with my injuries to the knee. So for me, walking is, brisk uh, walking is what I do now. And so again, I think it's very individualized. Uh, if you're okay, you've got no pain, you're very good, you know, you jog, nothing happens. I, I then fair enough, you carry on, uh, especially if your doctor says you're fit to carry on. Um, but if you start having certain issues or pains and all, then I would keep for not jog when you're older. Uh, then I would actually go more for brisk walking. So again, depends on very individualized, uh, you know, very difficult to say who can or who cannot, right? Because, I mean, we, we see people in overseas who are in the 90s and 100s who are still jogging, you know. So yeah. uh, whether, whether how they maintain and why not, probably there's a, you know, some, all of us uh, have our problems with our genes. So whether they are able to switch off that, that uh, genome and they are, 
able to run in that age. But I think majority of people as they get older, I would think that they should actually go more into brisk walking than to carry on jogging. All right. Uh, actually, Dr. Rajman, your your injuries, because you, you said that you actually have uh, knee joint issues from all those years of playing hockey and whatnot. Do you get it specifically at when when it because I have a friend who goes through that. Uh, he's older. He's around 60 plus. It happens only when it rains. It's not always. Uh, it's a it's it's a constant thing. How do you how do you manage that? I mean, when it's only based on weather and and certain circumstances. Yeah, I suppose the cold cold can aggravate. That's why a lot of people in uh, winter in overseas, their joints seem to have caused more pain. They said they love hot weather. They like to come here. Uh, I think cold aggravates the you know the uh, surprisingly the pain in the in the joints. Uh, so I suppose keeping warm, uh, using some heat therapies. There are a lot of uh, gels and sprays out there that can help you to relieve that uh, symptom during that acute phase. But now we know osteoarthritis is an acute inflammatory disease. So, uh, so during the inflammation, you can try uh, really painful. You might have to take certain medication. Uh, but uh, if I get that issue, I just take uh, things to reduce the inflammation, more of local gels, increase my, you know, uh, things like my turmeric and my uh, mega trees and try to reduce the inflammation. Then it normally goes away. Mm-hmm. Would creams that you put, you know, like those muscle creams and whatnot, help with knee pain or yeah, knee can, joint uh, pains? Yeah, it does help. This, uh, you know, it ha- can help to reduce the pain at least. Uh, I prefer more. Uh, you know, there are a lot of uh, even herbal uh, uh, stuff out there. Herbal creams that are actually that you can apply that are a bit more safer. Uh, sprays that are there, but uh, I prefer that when you take oral pain medication because that have their own side effects. So use local therapies, heat therapies, one way to get, you know, uh, local gels or physiotherapy will help where they use uh, in things like ultrasounds and all that too. So different modalities to see what to do with the pain. Okay. Ronnie has a very funny um, input to your question, JD. It's like a built-in weather detection of incoming rain. It is, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so when it really, you know, your knees are pain. pain. Yeah. <laughs> okay, true, yeah. you're going to rain now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that question, Ronnie, and for that uh, input. Now, we have another question that just came in from Aida Reza. She said that I have just had a full hysterectomy a week ago. Oh, I hope you're feeling a little bit better now, Aida. I have heard that it is harder for us in experiencing induced menopause. Do we need supplements to help us with this? When can we start to take it after the surgery? So, Aida just had a hysterectomy. Um... Is it harder for her to now because she's going to experience menopause? But uh, were the ovaries intact or did they remove the ovaries? So that's just the question uh, in that. I don't know. Maybe you can uh, yeah, follow up on that. Yeah. So we can, we can get more information. Yeah. Because if it's just hysterectomy, sometimes the doctors uh, leave the ovaries so your hormones actually can still be there. No? But if they remove the ovaries, then you are you are you're going to, you're basically going into menopause. And uh, so again, the best is to discuss with the gynae what's the best option, uh, because uh, you know today we know that uh, uh, hormones uh, replacement have their own issues. 
So uh, if you are at risk of certain things like breast cancer and all that, the doctor might not want to give you hormone replacement. They may try other alternatives. Uh, but if you're not at risk and you, you, if you're going to get symptoms, uh, so it all depends also on your age, you know, and uh, so that's something you have to, I think your gynae will be the best person who operated on you to discuss with you uh, what's the best uh, option for her. Uh, you know, again, healthy lifestyle, you know, exercise, all that. So even though women, when they go menopause, estrogen and all progesterone goes down, but you remember our other hormones like the DHEA, pregnenolone, the growth hormones are all there, right? And all this respond to the healthy lifestyle, a good diet, exercise, sleep, stress, all that will reduce the bad hormones, the cortisol, reduce the good hormones, and they can actually compensate for the hormones that they have lost, the estrogen and progesterone, right? So I know people, women who are very healthy, who have gone into menopause, but because they've got a very healthy lifestyle, they don't get all the problems of menopause like others do, you know? So I think it's important for her that a real good healthy lifestyle is there, but whether she needs uh, any hormone replacement depends on whether ovaries are there or taken out. And if she does need, whether uh, she's safe for her to take, so that the gynae has to discuss with her. Actually, I've data. You said removed ovaries. Removed, huh? So, so definitely that means yeah. she needs. Uh, so she's the hormones are going to be low. So this is something really she needs to discuss with her gynae and see whether she needs and then for how long she needs. You know, because uh, they have to look at the overall history, uh, risk of other problems. You know, some people are more prone for, like, say, thrombosis, risk of breast cancer, family history. All that the gynae has to look at all that and then see whether it's safe for her and then how much you replace all that is something uh, again uh, you know the doctor did the operation for be the best person to discuss this with her. how about supplements doctor can she take any supplements to help with sort of delaying the onset of menopause or or reducing the symptoms of menopause yeah, I mean, uh, do people do take things like yeah, evening primrose oil, omega threes? This, this is some of them do seem to help. They also herbals, uh, you know, but the herbal ones are just like you're taking your hormone replacement. So again, that one she has to discuss with you know, like black cohort. She has to discuss with the gynae. But taking omega threes and EPOs that should be quite safe. Uh, mm. she can, uh, look at that first before she wants to try a chart. Okay. And she can take it now, one week after surgery, or should she wait a little I think, while longer? Anything, uh, you just wait. You know, all the surgery uh, effects will go away in about six weeks. So I would wait until then and then sit down and discuss with the gynae or do her own research and see what's the best option for her. Another question now from Errol. Uh, he said that he was on a wheelchair for one year. After discharge from hospital, I did physiotherapy and then I started to take a hyaluronic acid and in one year, I could stand up and walk. So I cancelled my knee replacement operation. I'm 71 years old now. Wow. Yeah, so I think it's a, the combination of the physiotherapy and, uh, you know, and uh, probably that was, uh, so if she's, uh, you know, knees... Uh, I think his uh, operation was what operation he was thinking of. They wanted to do for him his knee, isn't it? I think he cancelled his knee replacement operation. Yeah. He was yeah. he was due for knee replacement operation, right. and he, it was so painful that he was on the wheelchair for a year. Uh, but he was discharged from the hospital. I'm not sure whether he went into the hospital for something oh, or not. On just taking this uh, this acid. He could walk again and didn't need knee replacement surgery. 
is that yeah, so i think is that it's a I don't know because you don't know how bad his knee is, but he was definitely in pain because, uh, and then of course he's affected his uh, activities so as on a wheelchair. Uh, but like I said, arthritis is an inflammatory disease. You know, it can flare up and come down, flare up again. Physiotherapy will definitely help. He's taken one of the supplements that uh, you know there, like I said, there are many supplements out there from glucosamine, chondroitin, MSM, avocado, soya base, uh, you know, hyaluric acid. Uh, whether that actually helped or whether it was part of his disease, you know, up flares up and going down, or whether the physiotherapy helped. And so I think probably it's a combination of all, and that's very good, you know, if he's uh, able to uh, delay or even prevent his surgery, that would be good. So, uh, what exactly helped, we don't know. So, uh, I see that a lot of patients actually can have flare ups and then they go away. And, uh, uh, Whatever he's done, I'm sure it was not only just the supplement and the physio, it's also probably his lifestyle that he must have improved. So, all that will help. Uh, so, so should he continue taking it? There's no harm. I think he can carry on taking it. But I think uh, uh, just hope that the, the flare up doesn't come back. You know, uh, it should. Uh, I would actually even have carry on the physiotherapy that he's doing. I mean, once you learn what to do, you can do it at home. You know, the therapy, mm -hmm. the exercises for your muscles, for your knee, and whatever else they have advised him to do, we can carry on at home. Okay, hope that answers your question. Well, I think Errol was just trying to uh, come in and talk to us about uh, knee, like oh, a knee the, surgery. Uh, we were talking about it earlier, right? Like how to avoid knee replacement surgery. Okay, now we received another message or a question from Wing Hong. Um, what causes continuous purging, doctor? I've been experiencing it for the past two days. I went to the clinic this morning. They gave me charcoal tablets and loperamide. Please help. I mean, uh, you know, gastroenteritis, probably that's what she has. The commonest cause is still infective, you know, virus, uh, bacteria. Uh, if she got just diarrhea and no other symptoms like vomiting and fever, probably just a mild, uh, you know, viral thing. Uh, rotavirus is very common for that. The other viruses, uh, sometimes toxins, you know, eating wrong food. But normally toxins, uh, uh, like food poisoning, you also get vomiting. So, uh, this, uh, of course, uh, uh, this one very acute. So, it just looks like some sort of infective process. Sometimes people have sort of diarrhea. could be just, you know, uh, stress, irritable bowel syndrome. All that can cause diarrhea. Um, but hers looks like very acute. Uh, so I think it's probably some sort of uh, infection. So what they've given her is the right thing, charcoal, operamide, maybe some soft diet for, you know, the next one, two days, and it should settle. Now, if the diet doesn't settle after five days, then it's something more chronic. Uh, so go back and see the doctor. If any other new symptom develop, uh, things like uh, vomiting, abdominal pains, fever, then you must be worried whether it's going into something more serious, like a bacterial thing. For example, Malaysia, things like typhoid, leptospira, uh, any of the salmonella infection, all these can suddenly, uh, you know, cause uh, diarrhea. And uh, But symptoms are normally more severe. They'll have fever and also this looks like a very simple, straightforward sort of in viral, maybe diarrhea. It just settled uh, with the medication and just, you know, avoiding sort of uh, heavy meals and all that, just some soft diet for the next two, three days. You should get that. Speaking of salmonella, I remember reading this article about like almost 100 people in Tranganu who Wait. contracted food poisoning from eating this pudding that they bought online. And it was because eggs that they made this pudding has 
is expired and might contain some kind of bacteria. And it actually, um, unfortunately, one person actually died after a septic shock, I think, after being in the hospital for this, for food poisoning. Yeah, yeah salmonella is, uh, the commonest we have is salmonella typhi, typhi which is what we call typhoid. And uh, salmonella can be actually very aggressive infections. You know, you can actually get septic, semi uh, septic shock. People actually have died from salmonella infections. Um, so again, it's a contaminated food, very common. We, on and off, you know, recently in my hospital, last three months, I had about 10 cases of typhoid. You know, and uh, again, it's probably because of what they were eating or drinking. You know, uh, mm. so, uh, so you must always be careful because this is quite endemic in Malaysia. On and off, we do get a sort of patients getting typhoid salmonella infection. Uh, rarely you get like this where they go for a, some sort of kanduri or dinner or party and suddenly everyone gets infected because there's some yeah. infective source. Uh, but most mm -hmm. uh, individual infections are very common. So anyone coming to us with fever, abdominal pain, diarrhea, this is one of the standard tests we do. You know, we used to be like, you know, for fever, we'll do dengue, we'll do for typhoid, of course now we do for COVID. So. So these are the extended tests that we do when somebody has uh, symptoms of fever and abdominal pain and diarrhea, right? Uh, so earlier, uh, I mean, uh, her symptoms are just mostly diarrhea, so likely to be typhoid because that one normally is more severe. They get severe abdominal pains, they get vomiting, they can get diarrhea, uh, high fevers. So generally, is normally more serious infection. And if it's a stomach issue, maybe just cut down on the chili body. That's my... Two cents worth right there. Yeah, I wonder whether that was what she took. Or the dairy. Or the dairy. Yeah. yeah. Those are lactose intolerance or a problem with dairy. Chili party per se shouldn't, unless you are sort of uh, sensitive. Yeah, if someone just has diarrhea, what kind of food should I think, uh, I think you, probably your mom or grandmother would have told you that when you get diarrhea, you know, just stick to something very soft, uh, you know, like your porridge or soups or you know kanji and things like that i think that's the way for the body to rest you know we don't want to give it too much of things so that the, the stomach and the colon have to digest because you know it, it's already having an inflammatory infective process going on so you want something light going into your especially fluids so no oily food no chili patties and no uh, sort of fried stuff that you want to take you know so stick to soft soft diet and a lot of fluids actually dr rajman when is it just like I ate too much chili padi and I, I made, I, I've eaten too much spicy food and that's a stomach ache? When is it technically, I mean, officially, I had diarrhea, I had food poisoning? When, what, what's, that, what's that line? I don't know. I suppose you can, if you take a lot of chili padi and it's stimulant, you know, chili padi and spicy food are stimulant, they stimulate your gut. So you could have some loose tools. Right, uh, but normally they they don't run like watery stools that are continuous. So you'll have a bit of a colic uh, a bit, and you have some loose stools, and they stop uh, after you know after two three hours after the food you have eaten because it's a stimulant. Uh, whereas if your infective process, it be continuous things like hers was going on for two days, so that's definitely not because of something she had. It's something that's going on. The uh, in, infection or some sort of toxin. So you were saying earlier that if after five days she's still purging, then she should go and get another checkup. Yeah, go and check up because now you start thinking whether it's not a simple viral, uh, you know, sort of uh, gastroenteritis is probably something different than we normally go and do things like blood tests, stool cultures to see what we are dealing with.
We have Dr. Raj Bans here with us. He's the president of the Malaysian Wellness Society. And this is the special edition of HealthWise Free Clinic. So if you have any medical questions at all, you can uh, leave them down there at the comment section of our Facebook Live right now. And a doctor will answer them straight away. We received a question actually from uh, Robert. Um his question is about this new norm uh, with us going back to work. We've grown accustomed to having to use hand disinfectants to keep us clean, but I've noticed my hands get incredibly dry and sometimes hurts. Is is having too much disinfectant bad on our skin? Yeah, I suppose it's a type of disinfectant because a lot of them got alcohol. And if you're yeah. sensitive to yeah. that, you can have dry skin. What like you and I have the same problem. If I use a lot of the strong alcohol, once I get dry skin and sometimes, you know, it gets like a bit uh, painful. So, like, I use a lot of herbal ones now. You know, there are also herbal sanitizers that are there, which are much gentler, much safer, and also just as effective. So, you can try things like that. Uh, you know, so look at your sanitizer and see whether it's uh, something that's got too much of uh, you know, chemicals or, or alcohol. And then maybe change to something more gentler. Um, uh, of course, again, don't get paranoid about you know that every few minutes you have to put the sanitizer on, you know because once you put it, you know, unless you're going and touching places that are not sanitized. Let's say if you're in your office and it's a clean environment or at home, you don't have to keep on putting that sanitizer, you know. But if you're touching surfaces that are dirty, you know then you might want to do that. Or if you're you know meet someone that you're worried you want to use the sanitizer, but uh, yeah, some people are actually allergic to these uh, sort of sanitizers and the chemicals. Um, so their option would be whether to wear gloves and then use the sanitizer. That's one option. Or change to something that's less uh, uh, chemical-based. Okay. So use uh, herbal ones, yeah. So those are quite quite gentle, quite good. But those that are gentle and herbal-based, um, do they kill germs and viruses as effectively I mean, as the alcohol ones? I mean, they should be still uh, quite safe, you know, uh, they, whether they're as effective as the alcohol ones. But I think if you wash your hands, the simple, actually the best thing is we can just wash your hands with soap and water. You know, that is just as effective. And I use that a lot, you know, you know, as I do rounds in the hospital. Every time I see a patient, I come back, I just wash my hands with the soap and water. I mean, wash means wash nicely, uh, not just rinse your head. You know, you just put, make sure you put the soap and water and really wash it. And it's most of the time, much more effective and more gentle to your hands so you can try that uh, but uh, i think uh, if if you're having problems with allergy now if you're going to have allergy and you have breakouts uh, in fact that's more dangerous because now you're going to mm. see sort of a skin breakdown and that's where more easier for other infections to even come in so uh, if you're getting that problem change the sanitizer or wear gloves Make sure you don't pray. I see a lot of people wearing gloves to go buy groceries, though. Do you think that's necessary or is it healthier in that way? I mean, I don't think so it's necessary. So far, no one is from WHO to University of Health have not said that gloves are a must. Uh, I suppose if you are worried and uh, maybe they have the same problem, they are allergic to sanitizers, you know. So I know people mm -hmm. have that issue. Then maybe, like I said, gloves is an alternative because if you put sanitizer on your gloves, it's okay because you're not going to disturb the hands. So, uh, so maybe that is something else you have to think of. But it, by just wearing gloves itself is not really uh, necessary. Because, you know, one asks us to wear gloves. Mm. In the hospitals, you All don't right. wear gloves unless you're examining a patient. 
and we very close okay. because we have to examine yeah all right let's move on to our next question from siti majiha my husband came home last month after being cured of COVID-19 and now I am pregnant. Uh, is my baby in danger of contracting COVID-19? I'm sure they would have done his uh, COVID test twice and uh, it definitely must be negative. Others would never release him out into the you know community. right? So uh, once you're negative, then you're no more infective. So it's no problem. She should be safe from him. You know, but COVID is still out there. So she still has take all the necessary precautions, but if husband has been cured and you have done uh, to discharge you, they have made sure they're too negative. And now they're seeing that even after 14 days, COVID is not so infective anymore. So now okay. they infect, as soon as you complete 14 days, they keep discharge you from the quarantine. So I think she don't have to worry. I think she's worried about um, the baby because I think maybe she got pregnant after the husband came home um, after being so discharged sure they, from the Yeah, so he would have been negative and I'm sure they would have screened her because she's mm. in contact with someone who's positive. So I'm sure she would have been screened and she must be negative. Right? Or other thing, whether they quarantine her and she got no symptoms, so it should be no problem. But there's Actually, a virus not... in the sperm, I guess. That's what she's worried about. No, but uh, she would have had a... Uh, I doubt that will be a issue. Uh, because so far we got no uh, nothing to say that he can transmit that way. It's still the droplets that, uh, that is transmitted. Actually, Doctor Rashwan, on the flip side of that, um, because he the husband actually contracted COVID nineteen, he's cured. So I'm assuming he was positive at one point. He got over it. He's negative now, and then now they're pregnant with a baby. Will that baby automatically uh, pick up antibodies? for COVID-19? does Is that how it also works? We don't know. I'm not sure of that one. Uh, whether you, uh, you know, we're not even sure whether present with COVID can get antibodies because right now COVID is so new, nobody seems to be sure. You know, they say not everyone is, uh, you know, uh, converting to, you know, uh, getting antibodies. So uh, I think time will tell uh, because COVID has been around only for six months. We No one is really sure whether people actually do get immune, is there a chance of herd immunity? No one really sure. And how many people convert to the antibody, we are not sure. Um, so the baby part is a tougher question to ask, so I'm not really sure on that one, right? So, uh, but I'm sure with, uh, you know, you know, in the due time, more information will be available and you know much more about this disease. Um, it is a novel virus, something new. So we don't know how it is. Is it going to be same like the other viruses that will be before this or H1N1 SARS and all? Or is mm. COVID going to be different? Only time will tell, you know, as we do more research. What happens in H1N1 though, something that we are more familiar with, does it con uh, does it uh, goes from transmit. mother to baby? Does it transmit from no. mother to baby? It's again a droplet. Most of the time it's, uh, you know, contacted to someone, uh, direct contact. So H1N1 is not uh, transmitted that way. Mm. All right. But different from other viruses, huh? like HIV, yes. So every virus seems to be different. You know, they, they have their own uh, sort of uh, way they transmit. So some viruses are through mosquitoes, for example, dengue and all, right? Uh, but you don't get dengue from contact of people. You know? mm. yeah. I mean, if I got dengue and I... Dengue right now. Because I huh? think it's a, it's a 
resistant right now for dengue as well. Yeah. So now dengue is in fact getting more than uh, this thing. But if you've got dengue and you cough to someone, you won't, the other person won't pick up dengue. Right? Yeah. And it's also a virus. But a mosquito must bite you, doesn't be dengue and bite you, then you can get dengue, right? So how this virus, you know, all are so different. You know, it's interesting that, uh, you know, every virus you have their own character. <laughs> They have different personalities. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. maybe. Yeah. yeah. So COVID, we have to wait and see where how it behaves and what happens. Yeah. Okay. All right. We receive another question from Pam. Um, after having a stroke, can my father continue his Tai Chi? Is it dangerous for his brain? This well, I question. Think, I think. Uh, if he's uh, uh, already on medication and you know he's uh, the doctors have discharged him. He's, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, back to normal. Uh, I, I think Tai Chi is a very good exercise to do. You know, I think it's a, it's a great exercise. Most people with strokes, we put them on a physiotherapy program anyway, which is mm -hmm. a lot of exercise. You know, we do a lot of uh, rehab. They do sometimes two hours a day. So I think uh, going on back to Tai Chi will be something I really would recommend to do. Go ahead, don't worry. As long as blood pressure is well controlled and you've got no other issues, the doctor says, you know, safe to go home, he's on the uh, medication. He should do Tai Chi because uh, prevention is good. Tai Chi is help his muscles regain his strength. And, uh, and it's actually a very good exercise post-stroke. Strong Tai Chi, all these are good. Uh, of course, he must make sure he don't overexert himself. Uh, but Tai Chi is a slow exercise, so I think it should be no issue. All right. Is there anything that um, Pam has to look out for, though, after uh, to care for a patient after suffering from stroke? Yeah, I mean, strokes are there are many different types. Whether it's a hemorrhagic, whether it's a was it a block, an infarct, uh, where which part of the body, you know, was it like a paralysis, or sometimes they just get, uh, you know, uh, what they call upper mutton neuron just over the face. So it's all different type of strokes. Uh, and uh, but once they've gone over the acute phase, now they have to look at rehabilitation. And most of the time, we put uh, medication to prevent further stroke, hypertension, control that diabetes, make sure you control it. Cholesterol, mm -hmm. we bring it down and put them on an exercise program to rehab. So basically, he's now going to Tai Chi, which is sort of a rehab also. Uh, but if he gets complaints, like, you know, when he goes Tai Chi, he gets giddy or he feels unsteady, then quickly he must go and get checked up. Otherwise, if he's mm -hmm. fine, then no issues. Go ahead and just carry on. Because the stroke is like, it affects the brain, right? Just like how yes. a heart attack attacks the yes. heart, the, the yes. vein, the heart, it attacks the brain. Yeah. So it's a brain attack. Instead of calling a heart attack, you call it a brain attack, right? Uh, but there are certain uh, different types of strokes, you know, where it's a bleed, hemorrhaging, which can be more serious, more severe, or blockage, where it just blocks one, blocks one part of the artery, depending on which artery. So you can get like a complete weakness, or it can just uh, can be complete zero, or you can get just a mile. So all that uh, varies. Uh, he seems to have recovered. If he can do Tai Chi, that means he's probably recovered from whatever that happened. And uh, he now should actually go into an acute, uh, active rehabilitation program. And Tai Chi is a good way to start. All right. Thank you for that. So this is the free clinic with Dr. Raj Buns on HealthWise today. So if you have any medical questions at all, you can send them in to us right now on our comment section. Just type it there at the comment section and Dr. Rajbans will answer it for you immediately. And uh, I think uh, Liz has a follow-up question to her, uh, to how she can work out. Keeping. She's asking whether or not um, if she's 
if she goes on the treadmill, it'll be okay for her with her knee pain. Because I think earlier um, we answered Ronnie's question, like, would it be okay to jog at an older age? So if is it okay to walk on the treadmill? Yeah, again, uh, yeah, again depends on uh, how severe your knee is uh, or, or which grade of arthritis. But start off walking and see how if there's no pain, you know, that's a good way to start slowly building up your exercise. But I also wanted to learn to do some, you know, exercises to strengthen her muscles around the knee, the quadriceps and all that. But, but I think walking is a very good exercise to maintain, you know, and mm. but start gentle, see if there's no pain, then you can slowly improve and, you know, build up on that. Of course, if there's any pain, then you have to stop and go back and see the doctor to see whether, you know, if something else needs to be done. Uh, so, but if there's no pain, then I think walking on treadmill, I suppose treadmill has got, uh, it still can cause a sort of, a, you know, stress on the knee. But if you go gentle and go slowly, you can actually slowly strengthen your knee and, you know, slowly build up from there. So, but actually on that, a lot of athletes who have ACL injuries, uh, they don't go on a treadmill. What they do is they, they actually do aqua, like they, they go into the, into the pool. And then they, they they train within that in that that space. Is that something that um, Liz can yes. um, explore? I think if you can do that, it's very good because a lot of my patients who are old who are osteoarthritis who also want to exercise and they they are scared of surgery or they are not fit for surgery. The best exercise for them is walk in the pool. No? Mm. That's the best exercise. It takes away the gravity, takes away the gravity, takes away the pain. And no it's a good exercise. Yeah, just walking up and down the pool. And uh, you know, I had a hundred and one year old lady whose granddaughters used to hold both her hands and walk up and down the pool, you no, know, ten times, right? So, uh, and, and she, I mean, hundred one, she didn't want to operate on her knees, you know, and uh, uh, so she had pain when she walked on normal surface. But walking the pool was fantastic for her. You know, and went on to leave another uh, till 104. So, you know, that's a good exercise. You know, they, we call it hydrotherapy in the, you know, physio. So, uh, that's actually very good, very safe, no problems. You can actually do that. Is there a place here in Malaysia that provides hydrotherapy that people can go to? I think there are many places. I think there are one, two hospitals, I think, that provide hydrotherapy. Check out and see, but most of the places today don't because it's not easy to maintain the, these pools. And uh, mm -hmm. most people, you know, don't want to share their, you know, go to a place where other people also. Uh, so it's not taken mm -hmm. off very well in the, this country. So I don't know whether there are any more still running out there because I think most of them actually stopped the uh, hydro pool. A lot of them now use a lot of special machines. There are special machines that are available that help you to strengthen your knee uh, using this, you know, this new technology and using new machines. A lot of them come from Europe and other places where they, they work on your knee. And these are just mm. all machine based. So I think that that's the trend today than to, you know, then to go back to things like old things like hydrotherapy. So that's where the physiotherapy are going into that more into high tech uh, ways to you know, help improve your joint and your knees and, you know, use things like braces and all that uh, things to help stabilize the knee. So I think that's the way that is going. Uh, so I don't think so there are many hydrotherapy, but hydrotherapy basically you can find any pool anywhere and walk inside. Which unfortunately you can't do right now because right pools now have not like, been yeah. <laughs> yeah, so right now you can't. Unless you're working, uh, staying in a place where you have a pool, you know, for condos, then you yeah, can yeah. yeah. No, even condo pools are still close to public, is I think, it? unless oh, okay. you have a... Yeah. I mean, you, 
If you're saying that, I think you can. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, how about low tech knee guard, uh, Doc? Will that help? Because I mean, my grandma has been using knee guard for yeah. the longest time. Like, um, I don't know whether it helps or not. Again, it's uh, again. Some people wear the knee guard and say the pain gets better, and they can walk. Mm. So go ahead, uh. You can try all these uh, simple things. You can try first. Okay, thank you very much, Doctor, for that. Uh, let's get to our final question from Magis. Uh, my husband recently developed an allergy to seafood. He's never had any issues before. So why would someone pick up allergies at 60 years old? Should I be concerned that he will develop other food allergies? And how can we check for that, Doctor? Yeah. I think that's a good question because people have come and asked me this, you know, that suddenly out of nowhere they've been, let's say, eating prawns all their life and suddenly one day they took prawns and they got allergy. And I think it's not the prawn per se because all the seafood, one of the things they do is they are actually the scavengers of the sea, you know, mm. things like your crabs, oh. your mussels, your... And they probably have taken some toxin into their body, you know, they have eaten that. And now you're eating that toxin and probably that toxin is causing that allergy. It's probably not the seafood. So I got people who have taken prawns all their life or mussels and never got it. And then one day they get allergy. And then later they try again and they don't get the allergy anymore. So it could be some toxin in the seafood that actually caused the allergy at this age. You know, because if it's really allergic to prawn, you would have got it much earlier. And today, you know, our sea is full of so many different toxins and things like uh, your prawns, your mussels, your crabs, actually, but they got filters of the sea. They actually filter these toxins and these toxins can stay stuck in their body. Right, and, uh, and this mm -hmm. is even heavy metals now. They say you know we get from our seafood, uh, so we must be careful of that. So that could be one of the reasons uh, why you got allergy at this age. It's probably not from the seafood itself, but probably from some toxin that was ingested by that that seafood. So, uh, so on the other hand, whether it's uh, getting allergy at this age normally is rare, or his system is changing, and this will be a first sign that he's but getting too much of. Yeah, you know, too much of free radicals, too much of inflammation in the body. Now your body mm. is changing, you know, because allergies can occur, at, uh, you know, suddenly. So he has to look back at his lifestyle and see whether anything there he needs to do. Uh, I would look at, again, foods that are you know, reduced inflammation, take more probiotics to make sure your gut is good with the healthy bacteria. Take foods that are, you know, uh, that are more prebiotic, such as fiber, things like yogurt and all that, uh, you know. Uh, things like uh, you know tempeh, all these uh, you know things that are actually also natural probiotics. So we can go and look at taking all that to help uh, uh, because this also could be a sign of a toxic gut syndrome and the leaky gut syndrome. They say you know. So these are some of the things you look at, but probably just the chance he's taken a seafood that has some toxin, and that was the one that caused the allergy. Hopefully, it won't come back that, again. That, yeah. Suddenly, he got seafood allergy, and then what's next? Um, like uh, wheat. What's that? Uh, Gluten, gluten uh, allergy. Gluten and, and, uh, so it's not that because you get one allergy, you're going to get all other allergies as well. Right? Not necessarily, but unless his system is changing. That means he's going into a place where he's getting getting leaky gut syndrome, mm -hmm. and his whole uh, body's uh, immune system is getting weak. That way, he's you know inflammation going up, free radicals, and uh, then he has to really look at if he gets other allergy, then he has to really look at his lifestyle because he's already triggering mm -hmm. something in him. If it's a one-off thing, then I wouldn't really worry. So you get if you get like hives and allergies all of a sudden, is it like symptomatic of something that's one about off, no. to happen? 
a one-off no because any of all of us can suddenly get a uh, exposure to a sudden uh, you know high dose of allergen the body finds it uh, there's something foreign and it can cause a, a sort of reaction and it may never come back again you know uh, so i got a patient who had never taken prawns all his life nothing happened went to lankavi to tiger prawns and severe allergic reaction and after never is uh, by mistake to prawns again a few months later and nothing happened you know it's back to eating prawns so that one of us whether he's taken some toxin in that, that uh, you know tiger prawn that caused that reaction and like, never come back yeah, again, yeah. like this red tide thing they were telling us not to eat the cockles and whatever right yeah yeah so it's again the toxin so it might be a one-off thing but if once recurrent you know getting recurrent allergies recurrent sinus problem recurrent eczema that shows your system is now <laughs> gone into a hyperactive mode and you have to reverse that you know and then look at your overall lifestyle all right i think that's all the time we have wow, for today I'm thank you so much dr rajbans for joining thank you. us